actually have a very strong uh, uh, strong belief in, in what I would have told myself, which is let go of the life you have planned um, to accept and embrace the life that is actually waiting for you. Welcome to 20-Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by JVentures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley and is sponsored by Hillel Stanford, UpWest, and Hippo Insurance. Hello and welcome to episode 112 with Amy B. Cohen-Dagan, Global Innovation Manager at AB InBev. Corporate lawyer turned global tech innovation manager for the world's leading brewer, AB InBev, Amy believes that when opportunity comes knocking, bold decisions need to be made. Prior to joining AB InBev, Amy led business development and strategic projects at Weisberger, a big data startup that was acquired by AB InBev in 2018. She holds the belief that nothing grows in a comfort zone, embracing the always learning mindset and acquiring new skills, all while running a half marathon and doing puzzles with her two-year-old. Amy Bianca Cohen-Dagan, thank you so much for joining me. How are you? Good, Marcel. Nice to be here and thank you for having me. So, you know, you? I usually ask, how, how would you like me to introduce you? Because I, I'm, I butcher names all the time. I'm, I'm the worst at that. If I was an elementary school teacher, all the kids would be crying. Uh, but uh, when I, you know, so you said Amy Cohen-Dagan, and then you mentioned that I could throw in the Bianca in there, which is a part of your real name. And now we get ABCD. Exactly. I wonder if you've ever met anyone with such cool initials. Not at all. That just made my day. Uh, Amy, talk to me a little bit about your journey, starting from lawyer all the way to being acquired by the biggest beer company. Now, I know I hear a lot of people getting acquired by Intel, Google, Apple, different tech companies. I haven't yet heard being acquired by the biggest beer company in the world, but I want to go back to being a lawyer. And how do you find yourself? in the beer industry? I mean, out of anything. Okay, so, so it's, it's definitely not a, not a very uh, clear path. Um, basically, uh, since age about seven, I found one of my grade one books. Um, and it said, when I grow up, I want to be a lawyer. Um, that was something that I always, uh, always kind of had envisioned for myself. Uh, I used to watch Ali McBeal for the, for the viewers of us that remember those programs. Um, I went, I made Aliyah, I moved from Johannesburg, from South Africa, if you can still hear the accent, yep. I've been here for 12 years in Israel. Um, so basically I studied law, dealt with the law degree in Hebrew, suffered through that, uh, very fortunately, uh, uh, you know, finished with honors and all of that stuff. And then uh, I went on to, to do my, my internship at Yigal Arnon, which is a very big firm in Israel, um, dealing with M&As kind of in the startup industry, and that was kind of the first exposure to that. Now, at that point, your only interaction with beer is that you might enjoy drinking it, maybe. Uh, and to be fair, at the time, I was actually mostly drinking wine. So, uh, so, so very, very little interaction with beer. Uh, and at the time, uh, I kind of just already started getting the sense of, of, you know, not really being everything that I thought it was or in terms of the types of, uh, you know, professional um, interactions that I wanted, which was more like human interaction, kind of less with documents and things like that. Um, so kind of, I completed that that process. I went to completed the bar exam and all of that. Um, and then at the time, I was doing a, a second degree as well, which was also in law. Uh, that was kind of just business law. So I was like, okay, let's do that for fun. There are people who study for fun. Um, and then I was actually at a conference and I uh, saw this random little startup. At the time, it was a I think eight people startup, 
uh, called Weisberger, which is uh, a big data uh, for the beer industry uh, startup. Um, and basically, I literally approached, approached this kind of little stand and I said, hey, this is very cool what you're doing. They had this like kind of beer pour, manual beer pour, and they had this like screen up with showing data. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. Um, and I knew that I, at the time, kind of wanted to get into, into the tech industry. Um, I literally, uh, the following day, sent an email. I still have that email. And I was like, hey, guys, this is me. I'm coming to work for you. Um, it then ended up with me sitting on a box because at the time in their offices, uh, they were uh, in, a, in a street kind of uh, opposite the beach in Tel Aviv. Um, they didn't have a meeting room. So we wow. sat in an actual room uh, with flow meters kind of on the wall. Uh, and I sat on a box. Well, actually, the co-founder gave me his chair and he sat on the box. <laughs> Um, and that was that was kind of history. That's where it started. Um, I spent four years at wow. the company, uh, leading business development initiatives, marketing, uh, strategic projects. Um, not lawyer stuff. Not lawyer stuff. Not lawyer any, stuff. No, any any kind of document that they gave me, I was like, "Hey guys, I'm don't pay for my bar exam fees. I'm not doing." <laughs> um, wow. That's kind of how it started, and yeah. I actually, I actually got to visit the uh, Weisberger offices um, before COVID. I visited Mike Margolis, right, uh, who yes, was there, right. uh, because I, I was, I came and I was, uh, I was meeting a bunch of different startups, and I sat down in the Corona couch, which is now very fitting. So I think that we have a problem there. But you have a whole section with the Corona and the nice fridge and the, and like sort of the beach, right? Exactly, exactly. Well, well, those aren't the offices that I joined. That's right, right, right. No, those were already already farther along. Uh, talk, give me in a few sentences, beer, technology, intersection. When you're talking to me about business development and marketing in a company that has something, anything to do with alcohol and beer, I, I, I don't understand that. So, so, you know, for the sake of my, me and my friends, explain a little bit what this intersection could be. Sure. So, so like in any industry, essentially, in, in, a, in the automotive industry or in any other industry that we look at, right, we can always analyze uh, data and usage. Um, and, and in this case, we're talking about consumers, right? So, right. so you and I uh, drink beer. I've got a beautiful uh, Budweiser uh, special edition over here. So uh, we drink beer and, and we can analyze. At uh, 9.30 a.m. Israel, viewers, 9.30 a.m. Israel. I wasn't going to give that up. I drink beer in the morning. <laughs> Um, it's, a, it's a, you know, I guess it's, it's part of the part of the job description. I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm going to send the resume right after this. Awesome. Um, so, so essentially, basically, uh, just for example, in the context of what Weisberger does, is, is that they're basically taking um, millions and, and billions of data points um, of consumers' habits, of the way that we consume beer, when we consume beer, how we consume beer, um, you know, in the on-premise uh, sites. Uh, on-premise meaning bars and restaurants, kind of where we right. consume. Um, and they're basically collecting those insights and essentially giving them, um, you know, presenting them in, in different types of products, either to the bar owners or in this case uh, to the brewery, which which is AB and Bev, um, as we were acquired. Um, and, and that's kind of the intersection. I mean, I think this, there's a lot of ways to kind of understand how we consume things. Um, I think that's, you know... 
I thought that was so remarkable and so innovative. This idea that you you attach yourself to two key points in the in the system. And correct me if I'm wrong, but one of these points is inside the barrel. You understand the quality of the beer, and when you're about to run out, one of the biggest problems of 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 bars is that they don't know what's happening inside of the barrel. But on the other end, it's actually on the cash register, right? Understanding what do consumers purchase, how do you optimize for your sales, and which type of beers do you sell? You know, I'm thinking yeah. as I go to some beers locally. Well, I haven't been in a bar in about four months now, but you know, in the bars, sometimes you have like 20 different types of beer. There's no way that the bartender can, or the bar owner can keep track of what's happening. Exactly. So it's both visibility and really, like you said, to optimize kind of how, how we sell and, and to make sure that we have the right brand. Incredible. Now, Amy, you were one of the things that I, that I saw that was very special is you were actually very involved with the due diligence process of, of this huge acquisition. Uh, so what, what is that like going through internally within the company, going through due diligence for a potential acquisition? Is it stressful? Is it just, you know, ongoing? Talk to me. So I think that uh, just just to kind of give an exception to what I said, that I wouldn't be dealing with, with legal stuff. This is a big exception. <laughs> um, only a, only yeah. a huge M&A. But, but, <laughs> so at the time, it was actually a very unique experience for me. I was eight months pregnant. Um, wow. Yeah, I was eight months pregnant and I was hand, handling uh, the due diligence, all of it, uh, from the company's perspective. Um, and I think just to kind of give a little bit of background is, is AB and Bev has kind of been a strategic partner throughout the years, was, was a strategic customer that we were serving. Um, so, so there was kind of a direction, a pretty clear direction that this is kind of one of the ways that it could go. Um, and we understood at the time that this was the right way to go. You know, this was the way to reach real scale and real impact right. uh, to make sure that we really have a, a good product fit um, because AB and Bev is, you know, exceptionally close to the bars, to their customer base. Um, and there was also a fantastic cultural fit as far as as far as kind of the companies and the values that we believed in. So it just kind of made sense. Um, it was stressful. That said, I think that there was great kind of communication and, and that visibility and transparency to the employees is super important. So it was it was communicated of you know guys, this is kind of the direction. You know nothing's gone through yet, but this is this is what's happening. And I think it kind of gave a sense of security to people as well. Um, and I think, like you mentioned in, in the beginning, it's, it's more unique in the sense that it was really a, a beer kind of conservative company buying a technology company. So there was no real overlap in terms of like, you know, people kind of concerned about their job. We were really doing something unique um, that kind of wouldn't be switched out uh, by, by the people. So I think from that perspective, a super interesting time. Um, I gave birth to two babies. One was the acquisition and one was my baby, Eli, my first son. <laughs> um I probably should have said it in the other order. Um, I came back uh, from my maternity leave. Um, and I think that that was super interesting because I had that like perspective of before right. and after in a very unique kind of way of, right. of you know, I had that like cut. So I could really see, you know, over a six month period what had changed. Um, and I think that, that, you know, the leadership really did a great job in, in keeping the company kind of intact. Um, you know, the same kind of leadership, the same people, a lot more focused, um, you know, which, which I think is very positive, um, you know, from, from the company's perspective, from, from the a startup's perspective. Um, and really the scale, the scale that we needed to, to reach, you know, the, the data and the consumers and, and, yeah, from that point of view. So it was, it was really an amazing experience. And I think, uh, you know, I'm very fortunate to have, to have been able to have experienced that. What, what are your key takeaways from that time, from those months of, you know, nerve-wracking due diligence? 
I'm assuming that I, I can only assume that when you go through a process like this, when you have a, a potential buyer and and the leadership team, the team that that within Weisberger, you sort of decide yes, we, we might this is something we might want to pursue. Let let's let's do our best. What 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 how, what do you take away from this time, especially being eight months pregnant? Of course, we can't uh, forget that. Um, I think actually, especially being eight months pregnant, you realize that the things that you don't always have control over and a lot of uncertainties. Uh, so the same as like, you don't know what it's like, what it's going to be like when you have your first child or you don't know what it's going to be like if things go through, if they don't go through. Um, I think it's just kind of understanding how to manage, uh, you know, manage your expectations and uncertainties and, and kind of say, you know what, these are things that I'll do my best and I don't have control over them. And, uh, you know, try, try to kind of find peace and, and just not knowing and not having that full control. Um, right. Yeah, that's a good lesson for us in Corona. I love it. Uh, so, well. so, so what's happening? So, what's happening today? What, 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 what has changed? What stayed the same? And, and what's your current position there? So. Um, basically, I guess, uh, you know, I did go back uh, post-acquisition and, and after somewhat about a year and a half or so, I kind of started feeling like I needed uh, needed a new challenge. Um, you know, I believe that once you reach kind of a certain plateau, you, you need to move on to, to the next thing, right. um, that we always need to be growing and learning. And, and I try to, to, to do that in my everyday life. Um, so basically what had happened was I started looking completely outwards and started looking at like different industries Maybe I'll join a VC, maybe I'll do all sorts of things. And I, and I really spent some good months uh, doing some kind of exploration with myself and a lot of chats with people um, about their career paths. Right. Um, and, I, and I also believe in opportunity, meaning like to be able to identify this is an opportunity that's knocking on your door. Like, yes, there's definitely an element of time, but you, right. know, you need to, to, to be able to identify. Um, and at the time, um, kind of following the acquisition, IBM Beth started to, to increase their activities in Israel. So a couple of things happened. One, uh, their VP of cyber, of, of global cyber team, actually moved to Israel to start a team. So we actually have a cyber team in the tech hub in Israel. Why does a beer company need a cyber team? Um, actually, first of all, like any big corporate, um, a, 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 you know, a, a beer company is no different from any other big kind of corporation. Um, and especially if you're dealing with certain, um, you know, consumers and, and certain e-commerce sites and things like that. I mean, you know, you, you definitely want to make sure uh, the machinery, um, poison in, in putting poison in, in our in our products. You know, there there are a number of different reasons. But um, right. in any case, we've got an amazing cyber team. Um, That's so cool. The, the previous CTO of uh, Vicebigger also. Um, moved over to, to IBM Bev to lead the entire data and architecture of the company. So that's wow. another very pr proud um, moment for us. Um, and then at the time, um, an Israeli um, who, who had been working in, in the New York offices moved over to Israel to lead the Tech Innovation Hub, um, which is, is the hub that I've joined. So they'd basically been running for a couple of months, um, already making amazing traction in terms of bringing senior leadership from the company over to Israel and running, pro uh, you know, great projects in sustainability and, and agriculture and, and really, really cool things. Um, and basically, yeah, I had the opportunity and he said, hey, you want to come and, and join us and lead uh, the, commercials, the commercial side? So that's the marketing and the retail and things like that and, and logistics. And I just have to mention, I never saw a warehouse or I've never driven in a truck. Uh, so this was like a very, very interesting challenge for me. Um, and I'm like, okay, I'm up for these challenges. You know, you've got to keep learning. You've got to keep uh, evolving. So now I lead logistics innovation uh, globally. Yeah. 
So, you know, Amy, just, just on this past 15 minutes, what I'm hearing, logistics, marketing, communication, uh, strategy, M&A, leadership, uh, and of course, uh, legal. So what, 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 did, what excites you at the end? I mean, it sounds like you're, you're, you're a woman of all trades, but, but, you know, when you get down to it and you wake up to, uh, tomorrow morning, what do, you, what do you really, really, really want to do? Okay, so um, I think I'm, I'm just excited in the morning to wake up and, and to learn something new. Um, and, and like I mentioned, I, I truly believe that if I'm, if I'm waking up and learning something, and learning something can be learning something new in the field that I'm dealing with. So it could be learning something about tier two logistics distribution, which is one of the areas that we look for, for technology. Um, and it could be something uh, like an AI course that I just finished doing because I felt like I needed to strengthen um, wow. my understanding. That's one of the stronger technologies we're looking at as well. So um, I think as long as I'm learning, I'm, I'm open to, to, what, to what is to come. Um, you know, I think that that's something that we have to really, to, to be kind of, you know, one of the things that staff mentioned on, on your uh, talk yesterday with him and I really liked it. It's like, you need to come in with a strong opinion, but kind of be flexible and open. And I, I really relate to that. I think you need to come in with things that you're passionate about and that you want to do. Um, but I think you also have to kind of have that openness to learn because uh, we don't know everything. I, I completely agree, and that's definitely something that, 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 that I take with me wherever I go. You know, I'm always curious about this. If you would go back to yourself, you know, back in, you know, back in university or even back in Johannesburg, what, what would you tell yourself back then? Because it sounds to me that you've had this wealth of experience that you never accounted for and you never thought you, would, you were going to do when you're doing your internship at the legal firm. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I I don't think you you intended later to go and do marketing and business development and 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 help do lead the due diligence of an M, of an M and A. So what would you tell your younger self in hindsight, either to make the process easier or to perhaps you know ma make it a little bit better for you? Um, I actually have a very strong uh, uh, strong belief in, in what I would have told myself, which is let go of the life you have planned. Um, to accept and embrace the life that is actually waiting for you. And I think I had a lot of resistance towards um, letting go of dreams that I had and letting go of specific kind of things that I'd always envisioned. Um, and I think that that's something that we hold on to a lot of things that we should be doing because that's what I studied, because that's what my parents expect me to do, because that's right. what I expect me to do. And I think, you know, to be able to let go of that and say, you know what, like I said, there's opportunities for growth, for learning, for there's so many things we didn't even know existed. Um, be open to that. Um, and, and don't kind of resist that. Um, and I think that that would have made kind of a lot of the, the processes that I went through a lot easier. You know, one of the things that I'm, I'm extremely uh, both passionate and curious about here is I'm, I'm walking down, you know, the halls of Stanford and, and I see a lot of people that are, that are, you know, they're choosing their major and they're, and, you know, they're deciding where they're going to, what they're going to do. A lot of the times when I ask them, why are you choosing this path or another path? There's no real good answer. Very rarely I hear because that's something that I'm truly, truly passionate about. I think coming in a little bit older I do have the privilege of coming in knowing what I'm truly passionate about and what really drives me curiosity. But but I definitely think that, you know, this piece of advice, it's it's very scary going through these experiences and feeling like you're you're in some you're on some path and in some expectation of you. And so I, I definitely very much resonate with what you're saying. And also just to add to what you said, I think uh, I recently heard a podcast. I think it was the author of Eat, Pray, Love. And she speaks about how um, you know, not everybody actually has passions. And I think that that's also something that we need to not be so hard on ourselves. Mm. Um, and just follow your, your interests. 
Um, and that's also something that sometimes you can kind of, that interest can develop into a passion and not, not to be hard on the people that kind of don't feel that burning desire to do something specific. Right. What was it difficult coming back to, to, to Ebi in Bev and, and, uh, you know, coming with a very young baby, you know, leaving the acquisition, you know, eight months pregnant, what was that transition like for you? Obviously, you know, it's very relevant to, to, you know, a lot of the discussions that are happening today about, about women in tech. And and I'm always very curious to hear about the different perspectives of on how, on how that process was for them. So, so I can say that I had a lot of kind of, I was very nervous uh, generally going into, to kind of, you know, starting a family. And, and one of those reasons was because I, you know, I'm very ambitious and, and I would like to have a career. And I thought, you know, how would that impact and how would I be able to manage? And I think what I realized is that as people, we have capacities to hold a lot of different things and a lot of different passions and a lot of kind of different streams, the same as we can work on different work streams, you know, at work. Um, so I think that was one of the things that I realized that I'm actually able to hold, um, you know, passion and, and ambition for work. Um, you know, a lot of love and care and, 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 and concern for my home. Um, so I think from that perspective, I realized that it didn't lose, I didn't lose myself in that way. Um, I think it also is very much a function of who you work with. I'm very fortunate to have, you know, amazing supportive, uh, you know, leadership and colleagues who are very supportive. Right. I think in Corona, you see that now, you know, we're all wearing so many different hats um, that, that, you know, you're in conference calls with like senior leadership and, you know, you have a two-year-old jumping on your lap. And, and that's a part of that. And I embrace that. And I think that as, you know, becoming a parent, I learned to be a lot more focused, a lot more productive. Um, I learned how to prioritize better and, and, you know, what's important, what's not important. How do I, you know, manage my work workflow because I need to, you know, specifically finish by a certain time or something like that. Um, and a lot of flexibility, you know, we all work in a very flexible world. You put your kid to bed, you get back online. I love and it. I'm working globally, so, so that's uh, pretty easy. <laughs> right. Definitely. Definitely. Amy, 20 minutes go by very, very fast. Uh, but before we leave, I have to ask you for three words that you would use to describe yourself. Okay, so I think I've alluded to them. So the first one I'm going to go with is multifaceted. Okay. Um, I have, uh, uh, you know, like I mentioned, kind of I wear a lot of different hats. Um, so I'm a mom, uh, employee, uh, you know, beer, tech, all these <laughs> other kind of elements and aspects. Um, the second one I'll go for is passion. I'm passionate. I put love into everything that I do. Um, I'm very much a do what you love, love what you do. Um, I love it. It's hard for me to work from a different place. Um, and the last one is human. Um, and, and to me, what that means is kind of, I crave that very, very uh, deep, you know, authentic human connection. I think I'm very much like you. I like to connect with people. I understand their motivations, um, you know, what makes them tick um, and, and can be connecting and networking and work related or not work related. Um, so I think, yeah, it was really hard to choose. But I love it. Amy, thank you very, very much. Stay safe, stay healthy, uh, keep helping us uh, uh, make a fantastic beer and distributing fantastic beer. Uh, very, very uh, thankful for that as well. And uh, especially thankful for your time. I know you're very busy and uh, it's very generous of you. So thank you. Thank you. Good to talk. Bye. Bye.